0: Welcome to the Asset Management Mastery Podcast. Your hosts, Gary Lipsky and Kyle Mitchell, have more than 50 years of combined experience in operations and management and more than 25 years of real estate investing experience. This show focuses on educating syndicators and apartment owners on how to build systems and manage their properties more efficiently to become a best-in-class operator. 100% straight talk. Let's jump in.
1: Hey, everyone. Welcome to our Asset Management Friday segment of the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast. I'm your co-host, Kyle Mitchell, also joined by Gary Lipsky. Be sure to also check out our Facebook group, Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate. All right. Today on the show, we have Matt Piccini. Matt, how's it going?
2: It's going great, Kyle. How are you? Doing very
1: well, thanks. Let's start by telling everyone a little bit more about yourself and what you currently do.
2: Yeah, sure. So uh, my name is Matt, and uh, I've been investing in real estate for, gosh, I guess around 18 years at this point, and started focusing on multifamily, uh, really scaling my business about four and a half years ago. Prior to that, it was something I did on the side. And at this point, I'm invested in over 2,000 units throughout the United States, About 75% of that portfolio, I'm a passive investor in or limited partner. And then the other 25% are assets that I currently manage, either ones that I own on my own or ones that I'm the lead syndicator on.
3: Nice, nice. Well, welcome, Matt. So today we want to go over, once you close and you you own that apartment building, what happens? What does the next 30 to 60 days look like? Who are you connecting with? So let's jump in. What does that checklist look like for the next 30 to 60 days?
2: Yeah. So, you know, as you were saying, Gary, I like to put together a, a list of 30, 60 and 90 day goals that I look to accomplish once I've closed on a property. You know, it's really about the type of investing that I'm doing. Yeah, I'm looking for B and C class properties in gray areas or improving areas where there's a value add component. So it's really about creating value right off the bat. You know, a lot of the times when we're taking over a property we're looking to sort of burn off a lot of that loss to lease. So you may have somebody who's been a resident of that community for maybe multiple years, and maybe they're a good tenant, they pay their bills on time, they don't cause a lot of problems. But because they've been there for such a long time, they've got what's called loss to lease, which is let's say, you know, rents are usually 800. But this person, when they started renting 10 years ago, was paying 500. They've kind of gotten inched up a little bit, Every time, but they're much, much below the market rate at that time. You you kind of want to close that gap that might be there in the loss to lease. Now, you know, I don't look to bring, you know, the rents right up to the full market right away, but I want to close that gap. And sometimes you can get pushback from the tenants unless you can really show, you know, that you're adding the value. And that's what I found is that I've gone in and usually in the first 30 days, I look for one thing that I can do that's going to be a nice big exterior improvement. Maybe that's redoing the parking lots or redoing the sidewalks or painting all the units or some nice big item that I can do that's going to affect all the current residents of the property so that they can see, hey, look, this new management, they're coming on board and they're actually putting money into the property. So I can kind of understand why my rent is being increased because look at everything that they're doing. So that's, you know, one of the things that I look to do hopefully immediately upon closing. And then I look to, you know, figure out what what are the next things and how does that work to try to, you know, cure any deferred maintenance, work on those exterior upgrades. Those are kind of my the first things that I'm looking to do while I'm also working with vendors trying to figure out what is that interior upgrade package going to look like for that particular property. And start planning those out because those will take a little bit more time.
3: In your past, is there one thing that's got the biggest bang for your buck on an exterior or, or a new amenity that you add to an apartment building?
2: You know, I don't know that I have one particular thing that I really like to do versus others. I think, you know, each property has its own strengths and weaknesses. And so, you know, that's, I need to treat each one differently.
3: So, who else is part of this team that you know you post close who are the you know, besides the vendors, you know how often you were talking to the property management company, are there other people part of this team as well?
2: Well, yeah, I mean, I think figuring out what that team's going to look like is something that happens right before close, so during the due diligence period. you know one of the mistakes that I made earlier on was just worrying about sort of getting to the closing table and there's a lot of things that need to get done. I know you've had other people talking about that on the podcast. There's a number of things that need to get done. So I'm not trying to downplay that at all. It's a lot of work. But I used to not necessarily focus on, you know, okay, how am I going to hit the ground running? And so then I would get through closing. Okay, now I'm done with closing. Now how do I assemble this team? What is this all going to look like? What I do now is once I get through the due diligence period, you know, there's usually that time from once your due diligence is completed till the time you actually close on the property, you could have 30 to 60 days in there. And during that time, while there are a lot of other activities going on, I like to really formulate what is my plan going to be. And each property is different. What is, you know, the things that I'm going to be able to do and who are the different players in that go out and get different bids. You know, When I'm looking at a property and I'm analyzing a property, or even when I'm first starting the due diligence, I might only get a bid for roof repairs, let's say, from one vendor, a vendor that I know, that I trust, that hopefully I've worked with in the past. So I have a good ballpark of what it's going to be, but then I like to triple bid everything that I do. So during that time, I get the chance to kind of do that, get all the contracts in place and sort of get all my you know, everything lined up and ready to execute. So right at closing, you can just move forward.
3: Nice, nice. Yeah, I see a lot of farm buildings close and they don't have that. They're working on that plan just after they close. And, um, you know, Kyle and I are like amazed that, you know, we're off and running, we're working on things, you know, a month or two before we close just so that we can get rolling. What are you using to track all of this? Is it like Word, Excel, you expensive software that you recommend or...
2: Yeah, I mean, I think there's some great software out there. I have a project management background. That's what I did in my corporate life. I was a professional project manager. I'm even certified to do that. And there's great programs like Basecamp out there that's wonderful. Slack is a really cool tool to use. There's one called Asana that I've heard of that a lot of people like. But what I found is those tools are only as good as the input that's going into them. And if all of your team members aren't on board and familiar with that software, it doesn't really work very well. It's not the software's fault. It's just the team has to all be on board and behind this effort. So what I've actually found that's worked really well for me, I just use Excel. I'm kind of an Excel junkie and I've learned how to do a lot of different things in Excel with conditional formatting and drop down lists, all kinds of different things that I can do to sort of automate the work that's done in Excel. Have a background before the project management stuff in some very basic computer programming, so I, I kind of a little bit of a nerd at heart, and and kind of enjoy figuring out how to automate some of that stuff. But Excel is something that everybody has, everybody knows how to use, and you know we've just mandated that that people are going to use that. I have a dashboard that I've created over time from my professional project management background, and then tailored that and added to it for the real estate business and the asset management. So we use that as the main tool, this weekly dashboard that my property management team is working on. Me as the asset manager I'm working on, we have weekly calls and we go through all the tabs in the dashboard. Obviously, certain things are, are highlighted that we'll look at and we'll bring to attention other things we're just kind of keeping in there for archival purposes. That's been the tool that I've chosen to use. Nice. And so when you're having these
3: calls with your property manager. What are the two you know critical pieces that you guys are going through on on your dashboard
2: there's essentially four tabs on the dashboard' I'm thinking about making sure I'm yeah so the first one I call it a stoplight status, um, where people can choose depending on the drop down what you choose if it's critical or not it'll either be red, yellow, or green right so green items you don't need to work on yellow okay. Read, this is a critical thing that needs to be addressed immediately. So we go through the stoplight status first. Then the next thing we have at least, well, we have a KPIs. That's really important. The KPIs are the different key performance indicators, KPIs, that we're looking at. So that's you know, what, how many move-ins have we had? How many move-outs? How many renewals? Uh, how many work orders are out there? How many vacant units do we have? How many upgrades have we done? how many are on notice, how many are pre-leased, all that kind of information is on that KPIs tab. Then I have a lease trade-outs tab, which just shows us existing renewals, new leases and vacant units and sort of what they were and where they're going to make sure we're, we're going to hit our, the numbers that we've projected. And then I have a leasing tab. In my leasing tab, we track every single lead that comes in and we track the source of each of those leads and the status of where they are you know, whether they're active or inactive, whether they've leased or not. And therefore, on that tab, I have a way of going through some formulas that I've put in there and actually let us know which sources are bringing us the most leads and also the percentage of those leads that are actually converting. You know, you might get, you know, 1,000 leads from Craigslist, but then nobody actually runs a unit. Is it really worth spending your time on Craigslist? Maybe you're better off on Apartments.com or you know whatever the other sources. So for us to be able to actually track that and see which ones are bringing in the leads and which leads are converting, and then I have an additional tab at the end, uh, a renewals tab where I just keep track of all of the units in the property and what they've renewed. You know we're usually going 60 to 90 days out on our renewals so we can sort of see all right, what is that inventory going to look like in the future, but also look what has our retention rate been you know, are are we seeing massive turnover at the property? And if so, why is that happening? You know, I like to see, you know, around a third of the property, I think is kind of that industry standard, you're going to have about a third of your property turnover every particular and in any given year. So if you're not having that, you know, maybe you're doing really well. But if people are leaving your property in droves, you know, what's happening there? Is that on purpose? Are you turning over that tenant base, getting different caliber of tenant in there, or is there a problem?
3: Yeah, really, really good insight. Thanks. I'm going to pass it over to Kyle to wrap it up.
1: All right. The same question we ask every guest, what is your asset management superpower?
2: Oh, attention to detail. I'm kind of really into details. I learned that years ago when I used to work in web development, I had a creative director who had me put something together and I built out the web page she had designed, did a Photoshop design and i think anyone kyle you or myself or gary like any of us were to to look at this he would look at the photoshop design and then what was on the screen and you would say yeah it's perfect it's exactly the same she's like no this line is off by one pixel here this mark over here is off by three pixels there and i was like what but she was right she took a screenshot and did an overlay and i worked with that woman for about five years and i think through working with her it just sort of trained my mind to look at the details Later on in my career, a lot of the people who would work for me, I just used to pick things out all the time. They used to call me eagle eye. And so I kind of have that that really laser focused attention to detail. And it might be annoying to some people, but it's also a superpower.
1: Matt, I can relate on that. My attention to detail is one of my superpowers as well. And I know (laughs) some people do get annoyed by it, but you know what? whatever. It's a definitely a solid superpower. So, all right, Matt. Well, thanks for coming on the show, adding value on the subject of post-close. Today, I learned a couple things. Create a 30, 60, 90-day plan. Each property is different, so they're going to need a different plan. And then the one I love the most is post-close starts pre-close. And that's like Gary mentioned, we start 30, 60 days ahead of closing to set up our post-close game plan. So tell the listeners where they can find out more about you.
2: Oh, yeah. You can go to my website. It's MJP. PG.com or you can email me directly at matt m-a-t-t at mjpp i love chatting with people you know wherever you are in your real estate journey so feel free to reach out perfect
1: all right thanks for everyone listening in if you like the episode again please head over to itunes or stitcher give us a like subscribe and review so we can continue to grow this podcast we'll talk to everyone next week Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please go to
0: iTunes and leave a rating and written review to help us grow and reach more listeners. You can also go to the Asset Management Mastery group on Facebook so you can reach Kyle and Gary and ask your questions that you want them to answer on the show. Subscribe too so you can get the latest episodes. Lastly, to stay updated, go to assetmanagementmastery.com and sign up for the newsletter. If you're interested in partnering with Gary and Kyle, sign up on the contact page so you can talk to them directly. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in again next week for another episode.